in the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope everyone's had a good week. It's been a long week for me, I will admit, but it's uh, still here <laughs> and it's, uh, it's still getting done. So, um, you know, I've, um, it's, it's uh, going to be a uh, quite a, um, it's going to be quite an interesting show, I will admit. Uh, so, I've only, I've only got three topics uh, for this week, but um, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, I've got some interesting conversations here. So, um, formalities, obviously. We have the email, we have the Facebook, we have the Twitter as well. So, if you want to help in any fashion, be my guest. And yeah, just uh, hope you hope you guys enjoy the show and keep supporting. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of um, I would admit I'm a bit tired. <laughs> it really has been a long week. I'm a bit tired, but I'm just powering through. I'm gonna get this done, and you know it's uh, it's just gonna it's just it's just one of those episodes. But the topics themselves, I think, are worth are worth your time. So let's get into it. And obviously, the big story of the week, you know, in a week where we're talking about Theresa May couldn't hold the door any longer. She's finally given her notice. She's finally given up. And now the wolves are coming for her job. Like literally, there's been about I think ten Conservative MPs putting their putting their hat in for the leadership bid. So. It's 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 a it's a house of wolves over there anyways, just trying just ready to eat the carcass as soon as soon as she leaves it anyway. But um we're not gonna talk about that. Obviously we have, you know, plenty of weeks to talk about that. The leadership thing's gonna go on until July, so you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna go anywhere. So I I thought I'd talk about something different instead. So we're gonna start with film and T V and the reason why is because I've just been really enamoured with this for the past couple of days. From the stuff I've been doing the past weekend, it's really just prevalent and you know, obviously for the site I write reviews now and again, you know, I try and watch certain shows, certain films that have to do with either hip hop or just in that in the cultural umbrella. Of the fifth of the five elements, and I've been. I obviously watched She's Got Habit season one last uh, last time. Well, I think a year ago or two years ago when it when it initially dropped. And you know, if you read the review, I'll probably drop the link on the on the fifthelement.uk just on the link of this uh, particular episode just to give you guys a um, just give you guys a you know a, a ballpark feeling of where I was at. Obviously, the review is much more in depth, but. Just to just to say, I was kind of a bit frustrated with the shows. It, it was while it was good in you know in terms of performances, there were you know some good characters in there. The overall theme of it is just a bit. It was just a bit. It was just a bit sideways for me. I di- I didn't really understand what the stance was being made. The stance is being made here. Some were very abrupt. Some were very obvious and in your face. But then there was others where it was just grey area and you didn't really know how to react or how to feel about it. But basically, the whole show revolves around this woman called Nola Darling, and she's a you know she's an artist. She's in in first season anyway. I haven't seen the second season. I'm going. I, I want to. 
Um, we'll see. We'll see if I actually end up doing that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, I I kind of the first season was a bit it was a bit frustrating for me in in many fashions. The main reason was because the main character Nola Darling is a kind of a terrible human being. Like she just she just she just you would not want to be you would not not want to be friends with her. I, I, I will admit. I just you know it's just one of those things where you see a person you're like if this was real life I would not like you. But now came now has come season two of She's Got Have It. It's obviously been out for about a week or so. Obviously, it's Spike Lee's baby, and it has made some it has made some interesting cultural statements. I will say, and this is basically the crux of the of of the topic that we're getting into. So this is via Shadow and Acts dropped to yesterday, and you know it's been going around for a, at least two days, at least seventy, at least about forty eight hours, seventy two hours. And someone, someone posted a clip of of a scene from She's Got Have It season two, and basically, well, we'll get into the well, let's, let's get into the article, and um, you know, we'll, you you will get the gist of what I'm talking about here. So the title of the article is called She's Got Have It scene sparks black uh, about black Brits sparks backlash on Twitter. A scene is re- from recently premiered second season She's Got Have It spurring backlash on Black Twitter. So much so that even actor John Boyega slammed the series. Now, you know, he has, he's quoted the tweet, uh, the original tweet that I was talking about from someone recording the clip, and he's just put simply trash. So, this is what this is what the scene is. The scene in question depicts Nola Darling, played by the Wonder Wires, talking about how black British actors take roles from black American actors. Darling went on to have a dialogue with black British man Olu, played by Michael uh, Luoye, in which Olu says that British actors are more equipped for certain roles because they don't carry the burden of black American history. Darling then attempts to explain to Olu about how black Brits aren't quote-unquote unburdened. Now, this obviously comes towards the conversation previously that we had about round last year, you know, when Samuel Jackson, going down in the article here, Samuel Jackson ignited a conversation a few years back, when he spoke about the debate, speaking specifically about Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out, saying, quote, There are a lot of black British actors in these movies. I tend to wonder what the movie would have been with an American brother who really feels that. What would a brother from America have made of this made of that role? Some things are universal, but not everything, unquote. Kaluuya hit back at Jackson, saying, quote, I resent that I have to prove that I am black. In order to prove that I can play this role, I have to open up about the trauma that I have experienced as a black person. I have to show off my struggle so so that people accept that I am black. I'm dark skin, bro. When I'm around black people, I'm made to feel other because I'm dark skinned. I've had to wrestle with that, with people going, you're too black. Then I come to America and they say, you're not black enough. I go to Uganda. I can't speak the language. In India, I'm black. In the black community, I'm dark skinned. In America, I'm British, unquote. Now this has sparked a lot of, uh, you know, shadow and act on the article. They've put a lot of, you know, they've put a lot of Twitter um, comments on here. Just uh, you know, just people saying, saying, asking questions. What, what's going on here? A uh, couple here saying, um, the uh, she's got to have it too. Really, really, really said black Brits have Stockholm syndrome and fell in love with our captors. Do you know how unfucking believably offensive that shit is? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. But we can't catch a fart in the wind to say, quote, hey, uh, maybe you guys don't know us, unquote. 
Another person says Spike Lee is really putting gasoline on the campfire for utilising stereotypical tropes about black British people and she's got to have it. So not watching season two of She's Gotta Have It was a good decision based on that black British actors clip. So regarding the last RT, as much as I love She's Gotta Have It, the way they portrayed Olu as a black man ignorant to the struggle of black British people was incredibly hurtful to watch. However, I felt Nola's reaction sort of fit her considering how much more woke she thinks she is. I'm not British, but this dialogue is so incredibly ignorant and irresponsible. The majority of black, Brit- black Brits are African and Caribbeans who face hella colonial torture and injustice there. Racism is diaspora-wide thing. This is xenophobic and wrong and indicative of people searching for Twitter hot takes. Yuck. White British actors are never crit- critiqued for the countless American roles they take, even with the many, put in caps, many roles that have they have access to in the UK that black British actors don't, which in- interestingly also explains the max exodus of said actors to America to play African-American roles. And I'll finish on this uh, in terms of the article. Actually, Spike Lee responded via Instagram. I guess someone posted the posted the clip on Instagram, and someone says uh, the dialogue about Black Britons dot 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 eh. And Spike Lee responds to him or her, well, probably him saying Dwayne says truth hurts. So with all that said, here's why I think about it. Now. I actually talked about the Daniel Kaluuya, Samuel Jackson thing when I initially had the studio student radio version of What's Good. Uh, I, I mean, it'd be quite cool if I can actually get the get what I said up. Um, I may I may have the uh, I may have the um, I may have the clip somewhere. I might have to dig for that. Um, if I if I put it on here, I put it on here. If I don't, I don't. I might put it right here. But if I haven't, I haven't. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see how that we'll see if I can find it. Um, so yeah. I talked about this, I talked about the initial argument by Samuel Jackson, you know, before, when, when it happened a few years ago, and also, you know, on the net, I think on the next week, on the next episode, I talked about Daniel Kalu's response as well. And this has become quite enlightening for me, actually, to the point where I didn't realise this was so widespread. I didn't realise that this was a a, a, not- a noticeable opinion when it comes to African-American actors or just artists in general, directors, writers, however you want to slice it. I didn't realise this was such a a, um, a, a reasonable opinion. I didn't see, I didn't realise this was the, uh, you know, the potential status quo in terms of how an African-American feels, feel about black British actors coming through to, to Hollywood and, you know, quote-unquote, taking their roles. While it does surprise me, it also low-key, well, high-key pisses me off because this is a this is a conversation about this is a this is a odd conversation about schoolboarding, who's had the most oppression. I'm the most oppressed, therefore I should get the I should get the roles. It, that, that's not how that's not that's not how life works. It's, <laughs> it's not it's not how life works. You know I. I probably have more, I probably have less traumatic experiences compared to most people, and I'm fully cognizant of that. And if it come, if I was an actor and I was given a role where, you know, someone had that trauma or whatever, you know, 
if I felt like I could do that role, then I would do that role and try and do it to the fullest of my ability. That would include stuff like researching, talking to people I know or talking to people that have had the same trauma you know just putting in research in that fashion of your character if you don't the point of acting what is the point of acting is to play a character right so if we're playing a character and we're an actor playing this character it might not be it might not be something as you know uh, as a clear cut as just a as a person as, as a Daniel Clue's character in Get Out it's, it, it might not be as clear cut as that you know, where he's had some trauma, he's put it deep inside, and, you know, the white people have kind of brought it back to him in a, in a certain way, and, you know, they're trying to cut him up as well. It's, you know, it's it's a character. You know, it's a character. Now, I while I also understand, you know, Samuel Jackson's critiques of it, and while I understand that, it's still a bit, a little bit backwards. Just a little bit. It's not fully backwards, I get it, I understand what you're talking about. But again, we're talking about acting here, where, you know, there's people playing aliens. You don't see, you, you, it's, 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 not, it's not exactly something that is always going to be clear-cut, you know, doesn't require, well, every I think everything requires research when it comes to that kind of stuff, but it's playing a character. And I'm sure someone like John Boyega or Daniel Kaluuya puts their time in. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they put all the time in. I'm sure they put all the time into vocal work and to trying to sound like American and to make it as authentic as possible to what they believe it is. And that's another thing. It's not what you think it is, Mr. Jackson or Mr. Lee. It's not what you think it is. It's, A, what the casting director or director thinks it is. And then it's also what the actor thinks when they read the script and then they interpret that. It's up to them. It's up to them how they want to portray that. It's up to the director or the writer and the writer as well to say, to have a say in what this character should be about. Now, to bring this conversation to a very, very super ignorant scene on a TV show that you that you obviously helm, Mr. Lee... You've 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 kind of just you've you've clearly opened these can of worms, which to the point where you know people are talking about it, and also I'm talking about it via my podcast. You know what I mean? So this is something that you've just you've just blew out of the water with your own opinion, and you've given it to these characters that kind of don't deserve it. Now, when you're talking about Nola Darling, who again, like I said, I don't really rate. If I if she was a real person, I would not rate her at all. And it's kind of why I'm really hesitant of watching the show. But also, I want to watch it just to, just so I can get a full scope of how bullshit this is. But to also get like a British man to have that opinion, I guarantee you there are not many black. That is not the majority. So what you have done is that you have made black British people or black British men in this in this particular case to seem like they're dumb as shit, thinking that we think we are unburdened. You really think we're unburdened? Is that what you really think? That is ignorant. And like uh, this person said on Twitter, it's xenophobic. It's kind of disgusting, to be completely honest with you. Now, you know, I'm a fan of Spike Lee as much as anybody. You know, I respect his I respect his longevity. I respect his influence. But it's bullshit like this. 
it's really bullshit like this that is not thought out clearly and you've just hopped onto this radical idea that you think is that you think is facts and you have this opinion and while i respect your opinion and i also respect your right to put it in a script and put it on some on, on your own show highly respect that to put your own soci- so- sociological thoughts on on a particular topic it's fine i get it but clearly you're not educated in this and clearly you're you think you think america african americans have this monopoly on oppression that just, as, i can't believe i just said that sentence do you know how dumb that sentence sounds go go rewind go rewind a couple of seconds just see what i just said what did i just say <laughs> what the fuck what are you seriously having this conversation right now and you put it on your own show so that's on wax you've put your opinion on wax and to be honest, I've lost a little bit of respect for you. And obviously you don't care about that. And nobody cares about what I think about Spike Lee. But I've lost a bit of respect on that front. To put a black actor... to put a, or I don't even know if the dude was American, by the way. So it might have been an American dude playing a black British dude. Which which, which is a no, whole other thing. Which just make, would make it so much more fun. But if it was a black British actor playing a black British guy. I would wonder what his opinion on this is. And to seem so, and to make a character so fucking ignorant, is is just an, a major, major disservice. It's a major disservice to the people you are portraying. It's highly xenophobic and highly offensive, and it's highly uneducated. Clearly, highly uneducated. So again, you may you you can have these opinions if you want, and you could put it on wax if you want. But it makes you look very, very stupid. It makes you look very, very uneducated. And this whole conversation about about this pisses me off. I don't know where, you know, the fact that African Americans have the have this, you know, you know, they've had this, I guess, thought that because they're an American, you know, because their media is obviously such a large space and such a, and, you know, just America in general is such a encapsulating thing, you know, and, and, and British culture doesn't touch you lot unless, you know, the royals have a baby, you know, or or Drake talks about Top Boy, <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't touch you lot. It really doesn't touch you lot. So you clearly think that because of that, because there's barely any influence, you feel like there's some insurgence going on. You feel like there's some covert operation going on, like some cultural covert operation that John Boyega and Daniel Kaluuya are leading, going un- going underground and then coming coming from behind to shoot you in the back. That's not what we're doing here. If you if you did your research about you know about Black British film right now. It's not where I. It's not where I would want it to be personally. It's not where most people want it to be. You know the reason why people like John Berg and Dan- Daniel Kaluuya have gone to America is for the is is to get the jobs that they feel like they deserve and they do deserve it. They've put the work in. They've put the research in, and it's evident. This is not a matter of who's more oppressed it's not a scoreboard situation it's not there's no monopoly here it's not a monopoly here and it's not a covert operation 
you know what you, you know what you kind of sound like you kind of sound like that south park episode they took our jabs that's what you sound like that's what you guys sound like so i highly recommend that you one get educated and two stop having this defensive attitude about they're taking our jobs kind of kind of attitude it doesn't it doesn't help anyone a good role's a good role and a good actor's a good actor the point of an actor is to chameleon themselves into this thing that someone has written that's what acting is you you basically I, I don't really understand for some added realness quote unquote that you feel like you should that, that, that it could have okay you can write your own film then you lot have the clout <laughs> you lot have the, you lot have the expertise you can write whatever you want and you can cast whoever you want but Jordan Peele casted who he wanted. And J.J. Abrams casted who he wanted. So. I, I don't I don't really understand. And you know. I Will I watch She's Gotta Have It Too? I don't know. I don't know. It depends if I'm busy or not. <laughs> and depends if I'm in the mood. Because this stuff is really putting at me in a sour mood. And I, I'm kind of just. A bit dumbfounded to be honest. That someone like Spike Lee has done this. It's really, it's really sad to be honest. I've, I've didn't realize it well from you. Hmm. It's the people, it's the people you like the most, you know. It's just sometimes you you don't see it coming, but sometimes they do. You like that. Sometimes it happens. That's what. That's sometimes that's how it goes. But anyway, let's move on. <sighs> Moving on to life. And we're talking about, we're going to talk about facial recognition, because I feel like this is something that has been, it's been in the news for a bit, just a little bit, not not, not long, it's been, I've seen it a few times, I think I saw it on Channel 4 sometime last week, and you know, it's coming more and more, it's going to become more and more of a thing. So, this is a Guardian article, uh, Francis Paradine, uh, very, yeah, Francis Paradine. And uh, we're talking about facial recognition must not introduce gender or racial bias, police told. So, I want you to answer this question while I read this, and uh, and just think think about the question while I while I read this, because it's it's relevant. Obviously, I wouldn't ask it if it wasn't relevant. When you when you create something, it's in your lens, right? Whatever you create, it's in your lens. So, if we move that to something like facial recognition and AI as well, you can throw that in there if you want. So, if a white male American person from California made your facial recognition software and then the police used it and then you're a black person or just non-white, do you feel like that there would be some bias there? Now again, they're creating something. At the end of the day, they are creating something. Would there be? Would that be unbiased? Just think about that question while I while I go into this. Facial recognition software should only be used by police if they can prove it will not introduce gender or racial bias to operations. An ethics panel has said. A report by the London Police and Ethics Panel, which is set up to advise City Hall concluded that, that that while there were quote important ethical issues to be addressed unquote in the use of controversial of the controversial technology they did not justify not using it at all 
Live facial recognition, or LFR, technology is designed to check people passing a camera in a public space against images on police databases, which can include suspects, missing people, or persons of interest to the police. The technology has been used to scan faces in large crowds in public spaces such as streets and shopping centres, and in football crowds and events such as the Notting Hill Carnival. The Metropolitan Police have carried out 10 trials using technology across London, the most recent being in Romford Town Centre in mid-February. In these trials, the watch list only contained images of individuals wanted by the Met and the courts for, quote, violent-related offences, unquote. Police said the trials said, uh, led to a number of arrests based on a positive identifications. In a report following a review of the Met's use of the software, the panel said it should, be, it should only be used if the overall benefit to public safety was, quote, great enough to outweigh any potential public distrust in the technology. Wow, we were talking about Orwellian stuff last week. Just want to bring you back to that. Anyway, concerns have been raised by scientific and civic groups that have there are possible intrinsic biases in facial recognition technology, in which may mean it is less effective at identify mean it is less effective at identifying BAME and female faces. The panel said the Met's trials with software were quote a source of insight into any intrinsic bias and should help in, to help to in, indicate how much bias would or would or would not feed forward into policing operations, unquote. We argue it is in the public interest to pub- publish the trial data and evaluations to address these concerns, unquote, the pa- panel concluded. Additionally, because the actions of human operators affect the technology functioning, technology's functioning in the field, and therefore the public experience of automa- automated recognition, appropriate LFR operating procedures and practices need to be developed. I'm just going lower into the article just to see if I need to. Half of response uh, as part of their research, uh, uh, the panel conducted a survey of a weighted sample of 1,092 Londoners into the police use of LFR. More than 57% felt it felt its use by police was acceptable. This figure increased to 83% when respondents were asked whether the technology would be used to search for serious offenders. Half of the respondents thought the use of software would make them feel safer, but more than a third say they were concerned about its impact on their privacy and that police would collect data on people who had not committed crimes. Only 56% of people surveyed thought that police would use their personal data in accordance with the law. Now, this is adding on to, you know, conversations also about police using, you know, social media to look up people and you know it's just a all all in the conversation all in the overall conversation of privacy now again if you if you answered that question i gave you before the answer is if it, there would be biases there would be built-in biases see when you're creating something such as you know technology and you know i'm not gonna act like i know you know the ins and outs of facial recognition technology but if you're creating something such as that and you're testing with certain faces if you're not using the widest possible range to fit with the multicultural society we live in at the moment if you don't do that then there will be and if it was AI and it constantly learned 
then it will grow worse and worse. It's the worst thing when it comes to AI because obviously artificial intelligence is something that you know has learning capabilities and always seeks to learn more. When you have an Alexa in your house, they're constantly listening. I'm not being I'm not being that conspiracy theory guy. I'm not being tinfoil. It's a fact. Look it up. And their AI, you know, they bag your voice and they they recognize it and they use it to recognize it even quicker than it usually than it did you know when it uh, clocked you clocked your voice for the first time. It would obviously be much quicker on the hundredth time than the first. Now, when you add that kind of technology to something like facial recognition, or even just facial facial recognition without AI, then even with that, you would have police officers, and I don't know the diversity reports of of um, of police officers, or just the police in the in general, or the Metropolitan Police in London. I don't know the diversity reports of that. I don't know how many of them are white and how many of them are non-white, but. If you're using something like that and you have your general biases, you can't be objective with these kind of things. Just human, it's hard to be a human and to do that kind of thing, do that kind of job, trying to clock people. And you see a, you look in a sports direct and, you know, the security guy's looking at your thing, uh, looking in the TV. This is kind of the same thing, right? It's very similar. You know, you've seen the films, you've seen the TV shows where, like, a security guy's looking at all these TV screens and then he sees, you know, someone someone looking like they're about to shoplift and then he just you know and then he phones it in but then it just just so happens it's just someone just doing nothing you know what i mean so that could easily easily happen when someone has facial recognition and maybe the technology falters as well maybe that happens maybe it falters and it says okay that person's a criminal or it looks vaguely similar to someone on our database that we're looking for and they get arrested for no reason or they get killed for no reason, potentially. If it was someone, you know, high profile enough, maybe they just bring the guns in already. Maybe. It's a possibility. These are things you have these are things worth thinking about. There's a lot of ethical questions here that could be that could have to be asked. And it's not just a race thing either, it's just a general it doesn't have to be a race thing. It's also a gender thing, it's also just a general public thing. If I look the same as someone who shoplifted down the road then I might get clocked. You might get clocked if you look something look like someone. It depends how good the facial recognition... You know, there's a lot of factors here, but one of them is how good is the facial recognition software. And then if it's great, then you, then you have to answer all the ethical questions. But then you have to also ask, you know, if it does the job well, then shouldn't we implement it to make our... You know, to make our environment safer? Maybe. Maybe. There is a lot of there's a lot of pros and cons to this, and I think every single ethical question needs to be answered, you know, to a lot of people. You know, more than a thousand and ninety. I think that was the survey amount. I think it needs to be way more than that. It needs to be way more than that, and and it needs to be widespreading. It needs to be a really comprehensive report for me, for me personally. I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I would need a large report. With a lot of diverse faces, with a lot of opinions, I just need—I just need a lot of data on this. <laughs> if I'm—if I'm going to swing each one way or the other, and 
it's just one of those things that you need to, that needs to be thought about now because this is the future. Let's be real. This is the future. This is what's going to happen. You know, I talked about Orwell last year, to, uh, last year, last week. I talked about 1984 last week, and you know, it's very big brother like. This is very big brother like. Just saying, but you know, it's uh, it's just, it's just. It's just another brick in the wall, I guess, to quote uh, to quote Pink, uh, Pink Floyd. So moving on to the last topic of the day, and you know, so you know, I'm I'm fine with the fact that this episode's being short and sweet because obviously I don't know if you, I feel like I feel it in my voice stuff. I I sound tired, so you know, I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just I will be honest. I am doing the episode just to do the episode. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to miss a week. So you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it going. And you know, the topics have been the topics are okay, but um, I don't know I know my vocal inflection isn't exactly as energetic as it should be, but. Um, you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully it's okay. And you know, next next week you'll I'll hopefully be a, a bit more, <laughs> a bit more energetic when I'm talking about my stuff. But anyway, last one I'm talking about is uh, sports, and the NBA finals are here, and I just wanted to talk about that right quick because I've been, I've been kind of torn between wanting to keep up with it or not. I don't know whether to just mute all my. NBA Twitter and all my <laughs> and all my Instagram on the NBA stuff as well. Just to, just to clean all my NBA stuff because the conference finals were so dragging. Not in terms of play because the play was amazing by both you know Golden State and Portland and also Milwaukee and Toronto as well. But if we're sticking with Milwaukee and Toronto at the moment, I got so just so exhausted keeping up with that series simply because of Drake and again you guys know how I feel about Drake not a fan but it's when this dude comes in the sports as well it's it just gets exhausting and it's not Drake's fault it's social media's fault because they know if they post something where Drake's face is on the video or on the picture or on the photoshop picture that they created it will get hits. It will get comments of people saying either Drake's a goat or asking why the fuck are you talk- talking about Drake. All commentary, all comments are good comments. You know, all traffic is good traffic. And every single social media page is bandwagoning off this dude right now. And it's just so, so, so exhausting to watch. Super exhausting. And I could go in the conversation about that has been going on in the NBA circles, talking about, you know, because obviously if you saw the clips, the many, many, many clips, there were ones where obviously Drake has a front court seat, you know, he's, a, he's an ambassador for the Raptors and he's a, he actually gets paid by them. So, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. And he... There was one clip where he rubbed the coach's Nick Nurse uh, shoulders, the head of Toronto Ra- head coach of Toronto Raptors, and he and he quickly massaged his shoulders. Now, if if you were any fan, and this is the conversation, excuse me, this is the conversation. If you were any fan, right, you would not be able to do that. You you would be sent out immediately. You would be immediately taken away by security because that is a breach and. As a fan, as a spectator, you can't touch any of them. You can't. You can't touch the players. 
You can't, you know, out, go on the court. You can't touch up a damn head coach while he's coaching, right? You can't do that. But people responding to them, you're going like, oh, he's paid by the Raptors, so he's technically staff. Right, okay, fine. Fine, he's staff. Okay, I get that. I understand that. <sighs> I, while I do understand that, I still hate it. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being straight up with you guys. I still hate it. I still find it just utterly exhausting. It's just not it's just not why I'm watching a game for. I'm not watching the game to see Drake. If I wanted to see Drake, I'd watch a music video. I'd go see him live, okay? I'm here to watch basketball. Okay? And you know, I know I know I know there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of places that do this. Yeah, it's it's it happens every it happens every time, especially in American sports when like a celebrity comes around and you know they put a camera on them right quick. You know, I get it, I get it. You know, there's obviously Jack Nicholson with the Lakers and Spike Lee with the Knicks, and people saying he's on Spike Lee's level, which is well, we literally just talked about Spike Lee, which is quite funny. But I'm surprised he comes up in two conversations. But if we're talking about fans, Drake is nowhere near. On the level, the Spike Lee's a fan of uh, the Knicks. Okay, so stop that conversation right there. Stop that dead. And for one thing, you just said he's not a fan. You said he's an employee, so so he's not on Spike Lee's level because he's not a fan. He's an ambassador. He's paid by the thing. And how and how can you be a good how can you be a good fan if you're paid by the league? If you're paid by the paid by the team, that's not a fan. It's not a fan. It's, if fans got paid for being fans, there will be more of them. Trust me. So yeah, obviously there's that, and I want to talk about obviously the finals that are actually coming around. And I wish, I really wish, Milwaukee won the series just so I didn't have to see Drake anymore. But here we are at the NBA Finals, Toronto and Drake versus the Golden State Warriors. Now I obviously have the Golden State Warriors winning the le- winning winning all comfortably simply because. I haven't been given, again, similar to, you know, the F, uh, F1 uh, predictions I gave. Give me a reason not to pick the Golden State Warriors. Give me a reason not to pick them, and I will not pick them. You know, just give me a give me a good argument, and I will, and I will happily listen and try to, and try to understand it, and maybe go towards it, but there is nothing there. There's, there's nothing there. I can't, I can't possibly, you can't possibly, in your right mind, correctly think that Toronto can give Golden State a good series there is no evidence to that now you can have a hunch you can have you can have your gut feeling and that's fine you can talk about that if you want but I don't see how logically you can tell me that Toronto Raptors are going to win this win the league you can't you can't give me one you can say Kawhi Leonard and I will give you Kawhi Leonard because he has been an absolute boost absolute beast Locking down Giannis. Locking down Giannis. Now, if you don't, if you guys don't know about Giannis Antetokounmpo, I kind of butchered his name at the end there, but it's really hard to say. But um, if you guys have watched him, just look up some highlights. Just look up. Just go Giannis, Giannis highlights. You you will find some good tapes of him just taking four strides across the court and dunking it home. The dude is literally a physical freak. And that in the most positive way possible, I'm saying freak. He's a physical freak. The longest arms, tallest body, he's he's super hench now. It's, it's, he's ripped it. <laughs> he's ripped it. He's like a brick shit house. He's actually absurd. 
and he can only get back. He doesn't. He doesn't have much of a jump shot. But as soon as he gets a jump shot, it's a wrap. It really, as soon as he gets a jump shot, it's a wrap. But he kind of doesn't need it because he can just muscle out of everybody and just dunk on them. It's absurd. But with that said, he's not in the finals. Kawhi's in the finals. Kyle Lowry's in the finals. For, finally, and the Toronto Raptors are in the final. And I completely, and while I completely respect that. You know, Drake aside, while I completely respect their team and what they've done, they really have gone for broke. Um, Sayo Jiri, who's the general manager, has really gone for broke. And I really, uh, you know, Philly did it as well. And obviously <laughs> they failed. The process failed. And uh, I'm very happy about that. But Toronto's risk paid off. They traded for Marc Gasol in the trade deadline. And that was a big risk. And it's paying off. It's really paying off. The team is very solid. The bench is very solid. Kawhi is an amazing leader. Uh, Pascal Siakam is an absolute beast. Nobody ever saw that coming at the start of the season, and he's probably most likely the most improved player. The awards still haven't come out, which is still silly. How are we still? Why are we still doing NBA awards at the end of the whole season? Just do it at the end of the regular season, because that's because it's regular season awards. You know what I mean? So why are you holding back until after the finals when nobody cares anymore? I don't care who won the award because it's just gone. Like the it just saps out the energy out of it. But anyway, I digress. The finals looks pretty decent, and if Drake wasn't there, I'd happily watch it. But I'm, I just might not, to be honest, because I might just try and find some good highlights. You know, uh, some good places to find actual highlights of the game, the game, not of you know Drake clapping people. Uh, you know, there's loads of those, so I'll happily go for those. But I just, uh, I just really hope Toronto doesn't win. <laughs> I know Toronto won't win, but I just, if if it ever comes close, I'm just gonna be swaying because I can't, I won't be able to deal with that. I I just won't, I just won't be able to deal with that. Drake will be posting music about it. Just, oh god, it'll just be bad. It'll just be uh, just corny as shit. I'll just it'll be like, oh my god, and then then it'll go round and round and round again. And just, yeah, it's just gonna. This was a very Drake heavy bit, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't mean it for it to be, but <laughs> but it was. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna go Warriors in Warriors in six. I'm being very conservative there. I want to stick my neck out and go five, but I'll, I'll be I'll be safe and go Warriors in six. Another championship. Durant actually, there's actually been reports recently, uh, as I record this, that uh, Kevin Durant has sold his home in the Bay Area and has actually bought a place in New York. So, I mean, if that ain't if that ain't him going to New York, what is? Yeah, you know I mean, he bought the house. He didn't rent it or anything. He said they said bought the house. So, he's he's off to New York next year. Salute to him. He's he's a great player and hopefully he gets that uh if he gets what he needs over there. But um that's gonna be interesting. But yeah, in this moment of time it's the Warriors. It will always be the Warriors. And until you guys can give me a reason not to pick the Warriors, I'm picking the Warriors. And that's how I'm gonna finish it right there. So this has been uh, this has been what's good. Hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Again, apologies for my downward tone. I'm just <laughs> I'm just a little bit tired and uh my dog uh, just got back from a little little operation. Got his nails clipped, uh, so he's a bit he's a bit mopey downstairs. So I'm just uh, feeling a bit feeling a bit blue for that. But you know, it's um, I mean, it has been a good week for me to be completely honest. I'm tired, but I feel it's it's productive tired. I've actually been doing. I feel like I've been you know doing work, and you know that's that's what I've 
that's why I always want, you know, to, to keep busy. And that's why I do the podcast as well. So, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, again, apologies for my drab voice. So <laughs> I'm very self-conscious about that. I really understand. Uh, hopefully, I didn't, hopefully, I haven't killed it. But, and if you guys have any comments about, you know, Spike Lee and that kind of, and that conversation, I'd really want to know about that because this is very, this is a very, obviously, it shouldn't be a polarizing conversation. And I, I'm again, I'm surprised it's even a conversation, but here we are conversating about it. So if you have any thoughts about that, let me know. Uh, hit me up on the links. But um, yeah, other than that, that's been the show from the Fifth Element Podcast Network. I have been Charlie Taylor. This has been Moss Good. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Oh, uh, well, a great week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's near to the weekend. Have a great week regardless. I shall see you next time. Take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.